This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. With all the holidays that are going on at the moment, and of course uh, with such beautiful weather that we're having up here, especially in Gauteng, 32 degrees they are saying was going to happen in Johannesburg today. A little bit warm, so don't forget if you're going to be outside, have some water, have something over your head, make sure you've got some sunscreen on. But if you're sitting outside and looking at your garden and thinking, "Mm, this could do with a bit of a sprucing up, well, the first place that you have to look at, of course, is your soil. And I know that a lot of people leave it very late and thinking, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. But sometimes you might be putting the wrong stuff down or you don't know much about your soil. So we've asked an expert to join us in studio today to tell us a little bit more about what you should be putting down on your lawn, into your beds or giving your plants, even your pot plants, because this this particular company has a range of products second to none. It's absolutely amazing. So all the way from somewhere in Gauteng, we have Gareth Passmore from Bark Unlimited. Good morning, Gareth. Morning, Melanie. How are you? Very well, thank you. And yourself? Good, thank you. Okay, so I believe that you've got an open day happening where you are at Hecker Nursery at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a go-to-eat festival, so it's all about growing your own plants, growing your own vegetables, food, all of that type of thing. So have you found that there's been a, a, a much of an upsurgence in people deciding? I mean, I know that after lockdown, I think a lot of people were bored, so they got into their gardens and started growing their own. But has it kept up that momentum where people are saying, right, I want to grow all my own food in my back garden? It's definitely kept up the momentum. I think with the, the lockdown that happened, everybody decided to grow your own food and realized it's actually quite easy to do. And your taste of growing your own food is awesome. So planting correctly and growing your own food is the way to go. Okay, but to get everything doing really well, of course, if you're going to be putting food into your body, you need to make sure that everything is organic, as organic as possible. So it starts with the soil, and this is something that we always say to anybody when they're starting a new garden, make sure that you've got your soil right before you even think about putting anything into the garden. Yeah, no, definitely. For us, you know, your your soil preparation is key, be it planting vegetables, fruit trees, or any plants for that matter, if you start with a good base, you, your, your going forward is, is as easy as can be. Green fingers become everybody's cup of tea. Okay, so now what kind of, of um, applications do you have? I mean, uh, the one thing I always say to people is you've got to compost. Whether you have an established garden or a brand new garden, the one thing that is key is compost. So do people actually need to go and check out what their soil is like first before they start doing any amendments? Yeah, look, when you, when you start planting your plants and stuff like that, obviously, ideally, you're going to check out what your soil is like first. So a lot of people have got clay soil. Loam soil is ideal. And then obviously you get your sandy soils as well. But if you can add a good organic compost to that mix, it creates a great base for your plants to grow from. And you don't want to have to fix your your soil after you've planted your plants. You want to fix it before you start planting. Absolutely. And, um, okay, so let's go. What kind of compost do you have? And why is your compost so much better than other people? And I'm saying this because I actually do use it myself, so I know it's really good. Yeah, look, I... We're horticulturalists in the game, so we've been making compost for probably the last 40 years. Uh, for us, every, every plant has got its own type of compost that it requires. Uh, so we do a wide variety of different composts and potting soils for every application. You know, for, for vegetables and fruit trees and that type of thing, we ideally recommend our compost mixed with a bit of crown manure. Um, and, and we classify compost as a soil conditioner. Yeah. So you're conditioning the soil 
for the for the planting of whatever plants you're doing. So, you know, let's talk on the, the vegetables and the herbs and that type of thing where your compost is, your, your straight compost is a great way to start. And obviously the organic way, clean, weed-free, consistent compost that can put in and not have to worry about funny plants coming up and that type of thing. And then obviously organic is the way to go. So if you you fertilize when you when you plant and organic is unfortunately the the go to these days because it's healthy for the soil, healthy for the organisms in the soil, healthy for the earthworms in the soil and then obviously you're eating the plants that are growing in that soil. So you don't want funny chemicals and that type of thing in your in your plants that are getting taken up through the soil. So Organic is the way to go. So basically your, your compost is food for the soil. The fertilizers are food for your plants, and then plants are food for your soul. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and planting the plants are food for your soul as well because it's so therapeutic to do well, interestingly, on my way in here this morning, I had a chat with somebody and I was saying about gardening and they're saying, what about just giving Epsom salts to your plants? Um, I kind of said, well, I'm on the fence about that. What do you think? I know this is a curveball because it's not something you sell, but what do you feel about Epsom salts when it comes to plants? Believe it or not, I use Epsom salts myself. Um, I use it in my vegetable garden. I did enough to use it with my clavias as well. I breed clavias. I use them on my clavias as well, and I had great results this year with Epsom salts. I know it is a bit of a fence sitter for some people, um, but personally, and I've been a horticulturist for 50 years, I do believe in it. So it's a, a na- another natural way to, to fertilize your plants. But what does it actually do? What does it do? What does it do? I, I sit here and I think, well, what can it do? Look, it's, 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 it's all about the uptake of your your nutrients. So your Epsom salt, is the, it's, it's the magnesium, so it's your micro-elements. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's adding micro-elements to your soil, whereas your normal fertilizers that you buy are your 315s, which is your nitrogen, your phosphate, and your potassium. So you're always wanting your micro-nutrients in your soil. So for me, that's adding the micronutrients to the soil. Okay. A form of micronutrients, not all the micronutrients. So, you know, a lot of the organic fertilizers um, have got a lot of other micronutrients in it. So you also, you know, you can't just use your nitrogen, potassium, and phosphates in your soil. But, you, you know, your plants need the variety in there. Okay. Now, before before I knew better, I used to always think that... Um, compost is just a marketing ploy by a whole bunch of people who decided, no, you have to put this into your garden because this is the way to go. And I thought, well, it's just when they're not selling plants that they need to sell something. However, fortunately, now I know better. But a lot of people still sit there and go, well, why do I need to compost? The, the, the reason for your compost is, like I said earlier, it's well conditioning. If, if you look at the farmers, the farmers are tending now to the no-toll and your planting of your cover crop that they can get. Your, your soil condition is right. That's why you're adding your compost. We unfortunately deplete our soils with the plants we plant in it, especially your vegetables and stuff like that, because it's a repeat crop every six months. So you, you have to unfortunately boost your soil to accommodate the plants that we plant. I mean, if, if you look at where, wherever we stay in this country, the, um, the natural growth that we've got in whatever area, be it grasslands or bushveld, or we planting very strange plants. 
So we need to condition our soil to be able to plant those plants in that soil. So that's why, for me, compost, you have to compost. Our soils aren't rich enough to plant the diversity of plants that we're planting at the moment. Okay, so you took this one a little bit further because, of course, what one of the things that a lot of people don't have these days is space. So they're trying to, like, maybe grow a full garden on their balcony or in a little courtyard. Um, and we are, we are very strapped for space these days, especially with people downsizing and younger people coming up into the ranks and they may not have space for a garden or actually yeah. even a garden space itself. So, of course, you, you've got to have the right applications for the right plants when it comes to putting it into your pots as well. So you've come up with a whole bunch of different um, mediums that yes. you can use that aren't in the garden per se. But tell me a bit about some of those. I mean, what is the difference so look, between garden soil and potting soil, for instance? Look, yeah, garden soil is, is more, you know, that's the soil that you get in the ground. Your potting soils are, have got different applications because of the, the types of plants we're planting in. So it, I'll take, for instance, we do a clivia mix. So I breed clivias. So our clivia mix, which we've developed with ourselves and the clivia clubs around the country, it's it's got the right pH and the right drainage and that type of thing for clivias. And then you know we've got like an acid compost, which you plant blueberries in and azaleas and camellias and that type of thing. So it's because you're containerizing the plant, it gives you the opportunity to specialize exactly what soil you need for that particular plant. And then you can... You know, you, you're trying to get the best or the optimum growing conditions for that type of plant that you're planting. So, you know, we do things like orchid mixes specifically for your different types of orchids. Uh, we do a general potting soil. We call it an outdoor potting soil for your general plants. Um, it's a little bit cheaper than the very specialized mixes. So you can plant generally all your plants in that. You can even plant your indoor plants in your outdoor potting. Okay. So, yeah, it's all about the specialized mixes that we've got from, oh, I'll give you some more examples, bonsai mix that we've developed with a, a very big bonsai grower out in Kailami that's very specific to bonsai. Mm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's just trying to get the right mix for the right type of plant. Uh, everybody's very into planting succulents and stuff these days, but they don't understand that your normal garden soil doesn't drain well enough. So we've got a succulent mix that's got good drainage in it. It's got a good pH because of the bark and the compost you add to it. So it's, it's just about educating the public about you know, spending their money wisely for the type of plants they're buying. That's why we do these types of promotions and stuff in the nurseries that the guys, we, we help the customers with the, the different types of mixes that they get, get more bang for their buck, let's call it that, and they I, don't waste money. That's what, I think that's always on, on gardeners' minds. In fact, I know a lot of people who will only grow from seed. Um, so they say, well, because it's a lot more cost effective. But you will have to wait just that little bit later. But I want to step it back for a moment. You mentioned acid compost. And this yeah. is one of those things that, you know, somebody said to me, oh, if it ends in EA or IA then it means that you must give them Epsom salts. And I said, no, what you must do is any of those ending in those letters you give acid compost to because that is what those plants like most. Why? Why do they like acid compost? Purely because those types of plants only absorb nutrients when the pH of the soil is fairly low. And by acid compost, we're looking at about a 4.5 to a 5.5 pH where your neutral is 7. So you know, things like your blueberries and your azaleas they only optimally absorb nutrients when the pH of the soil is fairly low. Mm -hmm. So if the pH is too high, 
be at six, six and a half, seven, they actually can't absorb the nutrients in the soil that they require. Hence, that we, we use the, the lower pH, the acid mix for that. Okay. So, I mean, p- people with succulents, obviously, well-draining soil, clivias, what kind of a clivia mix? What, what is, makes the clivia mix so different to anything look, else? I, if, if you look, clivias in nature actually grow in the forest, in amongst the leaves and the roots, so they almost, um, it's aesthetic, if you could call it that. So they don't need an actual soil, although they grow wonderfully in soil. So people obviously always moan at me going, but I grow them in my garden, they grow in the normal garden soil, but for us, it's, it's getting the ideal condition. So the pH of our trivia mix is around five to five and a half, but it's got good drainage and it's a bark-based mixture. So for us, you know, for me, growing show plants as such, you're looking for that ideal growing mix. And it's looking in, in nature, where does the plant grow, and trying to replicate that in our gardens or in our pots or all of that type of thing. Okay, well, I know there's another potting mix that you have, but we're going to talk about that after this. So, Gareth, stay with us, and everybody else listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. And on the line with us at the moment from Bark Unlimited, we have Gareth Passmore. Now, before the break, I also said we're going to talk about a particularly strange potting mix that um, they have developed. And it's something which seems to have become quite a, oh, a watchword for everybody when we think about how many places you can buy CBD oil from. And, of course, everybody wants to start growing their own. And, of course, we're talking about cannabis sativa. Gareth, tell me a bit about the mix that you've developed for that. Hi, uh, yeah. Look, we, 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 we called it hemp super soil purely because we wanted for the retailers not to have a product on the floor that had anything in the wording towards cannabis or marijuana, but it's, it's to grow, yes, cannabis or marijuana. Um, we specifically designed this with other growers to, to be optimal for, for growing of cannabis. So in our mix, uh, we've used a lot of organic products because the, the cannabis trade only lacks organic components in that mixture. So everything from cocoa peat, Canadian peat, compost, perlite, vermiculite, and then obviously the fertilizing is key for, for growing anything, but obviously for cannabis as well. So we've used a blood and a bone meal in that. And your bone meal, your standard, that's for phosphate root growth and that type of thing. And your blood meal is actually an organic nitrogen. Um, we, we haven't added a potassium, which is for flowering or in the terms of the, the cannabis growers budding, because they would like to add that at the stages when they need it to bud. I'm unfortunately not a, a cannabis grower myself, so <laughs> I can't give you the directions for that. But the base to start with is, is what is key in growing something when you're trying to grow a very specific strain or that type of thing. Well, I've always just thought about it. It's it's called weed for a for a reason, okay? Because it grows like a weed. So I'm always fascinated by the fact that some people think that you do need to have a specific kind of soil to grow it in, where it will grow anywhere. But the same is going for for anything which is just growing in the wrong place for most people. You can call it a weed, but it's as actually a lot of weeds have their own medicinal and other uses as well, even if they do yeah. annoy you because they're growing where you don't want them particularly. Um, okay, so I want to get onto the indoor planting thing because you know it's 
become, I think, through Instagram and so many youngsters and millennials, like, you know, not having gardens, as I said a little earlier, that they have created their own indoor kind of jungles. Um, is there a, a big difference between the way that you would um, have your plants growing indoors and outdoors? I mean, obviously, apart from the fact that, you know, you're going to be plants using plants that don't need sunshine. Yeah, look, your, your indoor plants, everybody, every house, every business, every area indoors, unfortunately, does have its own constraints and that type of thing. So everybody has to look at their specific area that they've got. So some people run air conditioners, which dries the air terribly. So your, your soil mix needs to be also correct for the type of plant, the type of area. Uh, if, if your plants need high light, Unfortunately, that, that doesn't mean direct sunlight because through a window, it actually magnifies that sunlight and actually will burn your plants. So it's, it's finding the ideal area in your house, in your business to plant those plants. And that's why we always recommend go to your local nursery where you've got a nurseryman or a horticulturalist that can advise you on the type of plants that you need for your indoor area. But always remember to be very specific with that because you know your, your your nurseryman doesn't unfortunately know that you run an air conditioner all day long there, which dries the air out terribly and might sell you potting soil that doesn't retain a lot of moisture and your plant won't survive. So whenever you're chatting to a nurseryman, as much information as possible for that type of thing. So a lot of plants can grow indoors, uh, but the light intensity, the heat the, uh, that, that you have to look out for. Yeah, the humidity as well is a big one. But it, yeah. it is the thing, I mean, people come and say, what's wrong with my plant? And it's either a case of, well, it's had too much water or it's had too little water or it's had too much light or it's had too little light. Um, so <laughs> that's basically what it boils down to. But I think that if you, I mean, how often should you actually refresh the potting soil in your pots for indoor plants? For indoor plants, for me, I'd say every two years to refresh that potting soil. Uh, depending on the quality of the potting soil that you use, uh, you, you want to fertilize regularly as well because all plants, especially in a pot, once you've watered so many times, you've actually flushed out all the nutrients out of that pot. So as soon as you pick up any problems with your pot plants and even your outdoor plants, if they get diseases or funguses and that type of thing, the plant is unhappy. And there's a reason for that. So, yeah, it could be fertilizing, could be poor soil, all of that type of thing. And I recommend, if possible, plants in nature have get rainfall on them. And to me, a plant indoors gets very dusty. The, the pores get locked up on the leaves. So if you can ideally take your plant outside in the evening or in the morning, just give it a spray down with a hose pipe, just a gentle wash of the leaves, and watering at the same time, it's just trying to create the best conditions for your plants to actually survive inside because in nature, there is no inside. It's under a tree or it's something like that. So yeah, they need to breathe. They need to breathe. Yes, and enjoy the good outside like we do. Now, you've mentioned a lot of the stuff which goes into your composts, okay? So so what what creates the best compost? I mean, obviously, a lot of people will be making their own at home, and they might get it wrong because they have too much greens as opposed to browns. What goes into making a really good, decent garden compost? For us, look, I mean, we classify our compost as a garden compost, but for your your 
general Joe's soap at home, yes, they can make compost for sure, but it's, it's adding the right mixture of your different components. Like you say, in the summer, you've got a lot of greens because you're cutting your grass and pruning trees, but in winter, you're sitting with a lot of dead leaves and stuff. So it's actually trying to get the balance of your, your different components to actually get your composting process done correctly. And in your composting process, it's all about keeping the microbes alive in that compost and actually getting that composting process going, which means keeping the moisture level right, not too wet, but definitely not too dry, and obviously aerating that compost because they also, your microbes and everything that are breaking down all your, your greens need oxygen to survive. So it's actually turning that compost. Uh, on the farm where we, we make our compost, we produce probably in excess of four or 500 cubic meters a day of raw material that we bring in. And it's all about adding the correct nutrients to start that composting process, keeping the moisture right and aerating it all the time and allowing enough time for it to compost. We, we work on a minimum of three months for composting. Any sooner and your, your product actually hasn't broken down. And if you add that to your soil, the, the composting process carries on and it actually uses the nutrients in the soil to carry on breaking down what you put in and that deprives your, your plants of those vital nutrients. But then, so, but then you shouldn't need to actually, if you think about it, use any kind of fertilizers if you're using a good quality compost and you keep on putting it down because surely all the stuff that your plants need in that are, are actually in the compost. And in nature, nobody goes around giving your plants fertilizer. It's just all the stuff that comes off other trees or um, from plants that have died and gone back into the soil. I mean, am I wrong in thinking of that? Why should people be using fertilizers as well? The difference between where what we plant and what nature plants, nature has adapted to the area that it grows in. So be it a thorn tree or grassland or that type of thing, that the nutrients in that soil and the way it actually felt burns and that reinvigorates the soil with all the, the ash that comes off that. In our gardens, unfortunately, we're planting, let's call it exotic plants, fruits, vegetables, all of that type of thing. So we do unfortunately need to boost that plant growth. Uh, I always bring it down to like buying a car. A car can get you from A to B, but you want it to be in a little skadonk or a Ferrari. You want the best growth or just the plant surviving. And we all want the best growth. I mean, we plant plants for the most flowers or the, the best, tastiest fruits and that type of thing. So you have to add to that, and that's why we classify compost as a soil conditioner and not a fertilizer, because in the composting process, your microbes actually use a lot of those nutrients to break down and make that compost. So you've got to add your, add your fertilizer. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, now, one other thing, of course, um, is that a lot of people who have only just started gardening don't understand what these NPK numbers are all about. What nitrogen is for, what phosphorus was for, what potassium is for. So yeah. obviously your nitrogen is for your green leafy stuff. So, I mean, I would use like a, a, a fertilizer high in nitrogen if I want to grow lettuce, for instance, or if I'm just growing um, green indoor plants or anything that doesn't actually flower. So what is right for the other stuff? Look, for the other stuff, so your, your phosphate is ideal. So you're in, that's your P in the, in the three letters there. Um, 
phosphate is for actually any plant because that's ideal for your root growth and every plant has got roots. So you, you basically start with that. Be it you're planting lawn or fruit trees or all of that type of thing, you can make sure you put in a good bone meal or a super phosphate if you, if you like the chemical way, but we like the, the organic way, so a bone meal. You get your roots growing properly first. So that's your, your basis to start with a good bone meal. And then obviously with your fruit and flour, which is your potassium, which is your last decay, uh, you're obviously looking for ideal fruits for your fruit trees and all of that type of thing. And then flowers as well. Everybody loves a good flower, petunias, all of that type of thing in the garden. So you obviously use a higher, you get a, a 315. So you, when you're looking for better flowering and fruiting, then you add your 315. But like you said with your lettuce, you don't want to add too much potassium to your lettuce because you don't want it to flower. Once it flowers, you lose the, the leaves which you eat. So it, it's a balance. It's a balance. And so that's why, I would, personally, I like to use a good 232, which is a well balanced of all three nutrients. But then, obviously, for my lawn, I would use a, a 713 and that type of thing because I'm looking for the higher nitrogen for the grass. Okay, so if you've left it a bit late, okay, and you're thinking, right, I need to get into my garden and make it look really, really good before the rains come, is it a good time to actually be putting compost down now? And is it a good time to be fertilizing? Because we're not quite sure when the rain's coming, and we don't want to be too unwater-wise. So you don't want to be watering it. And by the way, only water in the mornings, as far as I'm concerned. What should we be doing in the garden now if we're only getting our accents together right now? For, for, for me right now, ideally you want to compost now because that composting actually has got the swirl retaining components to it. So that's ideal before the rains come. Uh, I'm not a big fan of putting down too much chemical fertilizer now because you need to add a lot of water and we're a water-scarce country. So if you're going to be adding fertilizer, you can add your organic fertilizers because you don't need to put down tons of water. It's not going to burn your plants or burn your soil or anything like that. Um, and then you obviously just trying to condition your soil to when the rain does come, that the rain soaks in. Because unfortunately, through the winter, our soils get very hard. And as soon as we get our first downpour of rain, the water rushes off. It actually doesn't soak in. So if you've added your compost and actually loosened your soil for that, and put down a good mulch just to stop any evaporation, your soil won't be your water will not be running off and down into the stormwater drains that will actually sink into your ground and be ideal for all your plants. Okay, so what would you use as a mulch? I mean, I personally like using a nice thick layer of compost because I know it's going to break down and get in. And then in other parts where you've got like a very, very hot area, you can go and put down bark chips. What would you suggest people use as a mulch, the top the top seller that you have in the way of mulch? Look, the top seller we've got is actually a bark mulch that we use. So it's a semi-composted bark um, that we, we sell. It's, it's a lot cheaper than your bark chips. Um, it is still fairly decorative. It's got a quite a dark color to it, um, which is ideal um, as opposed to the bark chips. Bark chips I use more in pot plants and stuff like that due to the expense of it, but it, it, it does have a very good decorative look to it. But personally, like yourself, I enjoy mulching with a good compost, let the worms pull it in through the year, and then next year you just mulch with more compost. And you don't have to dig your compost into your flower beds 
disturbing your roots of all your plants and that type of thing. So anything like that type of thing, it's just creating that barrier between, call it the atmosphere and the soil, just to stop weeds germinating and then obviously water evaporating. Okay, and, and of course, one of, one of the things that South Africans are very, very proud of is their lawns, if they have a garden. So is it too late to do a top dressing or lawn dressing, or should they, if they haven't done it yet, do it now? I wouldn't say it's too late. I'm, I'm a firm believer of waiting for some rain to come before you top this. Uh, clearly on, you want to water it, um, and we don't want to waste too much water, uh, A, because of the expense and the scarcity of it. So... For me, October, you start doing a top dressing because it's, it's hopefully the rains will come and they reckon in the next next weekend, for two weeks' time, we should be getting some rain, but we never trust anybody on... No, no you can't trust the weather reports. No, absolutely no, not. Unfortunately <laughs> not. So, you know, your general lawn dressing is not going to burn your lawn either, but you don't want to put your grass under stress having that top dressing on it and then it can't do anything. So you would have to water a bit. Uh, just to get it going. But, uh, October's a good month to laundress. I wouldn't say it's, it's too late at all. Now's the time to start laundressing. Well, October is absolutely, I think, probably my favorite month in the garden because, like, the temperatures, well, they're a little bit out of hand at the moment, going up into the, the 30s already. Um, wasn't expecting that one. But it is also rose month. I mean, the roses are all starting to bud. I mean, it's blooming marvelous, <laughs> as I like to say. Um, but do you do a specific um, pot mixture for roses or uh, compost for roses as well? Yeah, look, for sure. Uh, we've got obviously a rose mix that we use for planting roses, but obviously if you've got roses planted in the garden already, um, ideally you want to mulch it, but a lot of the rose growers, and I've done it myself, is actually put in calm manure as a little bit of a top dressing on your rose every year, just as it, it's got its feeding capability and it, it's great for your soil. Earthworms love it and that type of thing because... Your soil for your, your roses needs to have good drainage as well. Roses don't like to sit in water. Yeah. So ideally, put in a bit of crom in your uh, two or three handfuls around each rose bush. They love it. Excellent. Well, there's some very good advice that you've given us there, Gareth. Thank you very much for taking time away from your very busy grow-to-eat day. Um, I wish I'd, I'd have come through to join you because I love I'm, I'm a terrible one. I walk around people's nurseries, and if I see that there's edibles on the on the shelves, I sit there and I pick pieces and eat daylily petals and all of that. So you, when you see, people see me coming, they know, put the plants away because Mel's going to eat them all. I'm like a there little herbivore. Thank you very much, Gareth. Enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. And, of course, if anybody wants to get any more information about the products that Gareth's been talking about, just look up Bark Unlimited on the Internet, and it'll tell you everything you need to know about them. Have a fabulous Sunday, Gareth, and, of course, the rest of you, just stay with us. We'll be back right after this. This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. And by the way, if you're looking at getting the details for Chai FM, don't forget, of course, you can also send us emails or WhatsApps and SMSs if you have any specific gardening-related queries that you need answered. Um, why not? You know, this is what we're here for. Sharing is caring, and that's what we gardeners all believe in. And talking about caring, don't forget uh, that next Sunday is uh, – 
South Africa's Garden Day. And Garden Day is one of those things which, you know, we should all think about. What it, What is it about? Well, it's a chance for people across the country to put their tools down and actually just get out and celebrate the garden. So it doesn't mean going out and working in the garden. It's not like World Naked Gardening Day, okay? It's one of those ones where you have the people around. Everyone can take part, and it's regardless of the size of your garden, whether you've got rolling lawns, you've got potted windowsills, whatever it is, an urban rooftop or patio, Everybody should be celebrating their little green spaces. And, oh, by the way, um, if you are looking for something to give to those guests that are coming to come and join you um, and you feel like your garden could do with a bit of a flower power lift, well, as I said, Garden Day, 9th of October, if you're going to share the love with everybody, spruce up the garden and get them a special Garden Day hamper through Hadeco. They've got a really great deal on at the moment. Um, you get uh, polyanthes, tigridia, um, 50 mixed gladioli, which is fantastic, and a pack of zephyranthus as well as some bulb food. And it's really seriously good value for money. Um, but if you had to buy it all separately, it would cost a lot. But for 450 rand, you can create a beautiful garden, and it puts it within everybody's reach as well. So if you want to have a check out on that one, go and look at hedeco.co.za, and they will have everything there on their online shop. Not a bad thing to do. Now, one of my plants, which I absolutely love, and I'm unashamedly totally in love and will always be in love with Agapanthus, one of our national flowers. In fact, I think it should be our national flower because, you know, yes, sure, we're growing proteas and things up here in the high felt these days, but it's like very much a, a cape thing, a Western cape thing, and the people are like, oh, we have our proteas. We have the biggest floral diversity in the world with our little biome down in the um, <laughs> that part of the world, yes, the Feinbos biome. But agapanthus is something that will grow anywhere in the country, in any conditions, whether you have only shady spots, you have full sun spots, you will find an agapanthus that will suit your needs. And um, I hope to at some stage get Andy DeVette from the Aloe Farm, um, who doesn't only just play around with aloes, and he has the most glorious selection of aloes. He also hybridizes various Agapanthus. So he's been coming up with some fantastic things. And I have it on good authority from him that he's coming up with something which is a slightly paler pink. Not your purples or your whites, okay? A paler pink. <sighs> but I think all of them, from the Inapertus, which you find growing in the wild with its very dark purple drooping down florets, okay, to Buccaneer, which is a huge dark purple upward standing flower, um, to the tiny little tom thumbs and diamond dusts. I mean, they're just uh, the little short ones, all the, the dwarf varieties to the very tall ones. You should find a spot for agapanthus in your garden, regardless of what size it is. You can put them into pots as well. And the nice thing I found out about them is that they actually seem to be as warding plants. And I don't know if people just felt this intrinsically, and that's why they went and they planted them all the way along the outsides of their properties. It's supposed to ward off evil and ward off bad things. So maybe that's why agapanthus are found all over the place. Um, oh, and by the way, did you know, I'm sure as most of you do know, that Rosh Hashanah is actually the birthday of trees and plants. So um, I've been saying happy birthday not only to myself, <laughs> but also to all the trees and plants out that I have anything to do with. Um, before I go, just a reminder that if you haven't already um, been through, if you want to go and check out an open garden, the gardens at Elfin in Modafontaine are open again today. Okay, I believe they had a wonderful time at Rodine at a blooming affair yesterday. 
And there are some open gardens coming up next weekend in Dunkeld in Inanda as well. So don't miss out on those. Um, once again, if you would like to, please just send through messages. We will help you out with any of your garden queries. I'm quite happy to spend my time making sure everybody has beauty surrounding them. But for now, I'd just like to wish you all well over the fast. And, of course, we'll catch up with you again next week. Take care and bye-bye.